Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. Folks, we're going through the Gospel of Matthew. We're kind of working our way through that. We're up to chapter 12. And and I've entitled chapter 12, The King's Freedom. The King's Freedom. Because the reality is, is whether you realize it or not, that in Christ, in the relationship with Jesus, you and I actually have a lot of freedom. And that actually is something that probably for a lot of us who, especially if we've been to church, we maybe are not aware of, or we've not grasped. In fact, I'm constantly reminded of the fact that a lot of Christians don't understand that. In fact, that a lot of Christians really have no comprehension of freedom that comes through Jesus Christ. What do you mean by that, George? Well, here's the thing. I meet people all the time. A week doesn't go by that I meet people who used to go to church or have been to church, quit going to church because they got hurt, or they are people who refuse to go to church because they know somebody who goes to church, and and they'll use titles like that, church people, well, I don't want to be a church person, and so forth. And, and, And you realize that the message of who Jesus is, the Jesus that we should know, most people have no comprehension of that. In fact, the comprehension of Jesus that they have is actually, can I be honest with you, somebody who's waiting to thump you. Somebody who's waiting for the next time that you do something wrong. And that's the concept that we have. It's, it's a Jesus who doesn't care for the hurting. In fact, how do, how do they even come to that? Well, it's a church who doesn't care for the hurting. It's a church that's ready to point the finger. It's the church that's ready to condemn. And you get this concept that's out there. And you meet people all the time. And, and I feel desperate sometimes because when I talk to them, I want to say to them, that's not what it is. And, and you want to say to them, that's not the reality of what Jesus is saying. That's not how it should be. And you want to convince them of that, but they're not convinced because they have their experiences. They've been hurt. They've been rejected. They've been condemned. Do you know what I'm saying? Have you met people like that? Maybe you've been there. And in fact, the concept of the Jesus that's communicated is that Jesus is this cosmic policeman who's ready to throw down when you do wrong. And the reality is, that's not who Jesus is. In fact, if you read through the Gospels, you come to a different conclusion that that is not who Jesus is. In fact, we're going to see it today in our passage here. But the problem is, is for many of us, we've got an improper focus on what it is about Jesus and especially what it is about the people who call themselves followers of Jesus. What do you mean an improper focus? First thing I want you to see about the improper focus that we have is this. We lose sight of true spirituality. We lose sight of true spirituality. We lose sight of what it really means to be a follower of Jesus. We lose sight of what really matters to God, what really matters to Christianity. I'll give you an example of that. You know, back April 1985, I was a 
college student who came to Jesus Christ and I didn't know anything about church. My family didn't go to church. I didn't know anything about any of that. I just knew that I needed Jesus. I needed his forgiveness. And I accepted Jesus Christ into my life. Now, after that, I went to a little bitty Baptist church. But to be honest with you, all of a sudden, I began to learn what Christianity was. But then what I learned, what sticks out to me from that time period, is not so much understanding who Jesus was, It was more of an understanding of how I should be living and how I should be dressing and how I should be believing than knowing who Jesus was. Did you understand? Some of you maybe have that kind of background where where you went to church and the things that stick out to you was what you should be doing, definitely what you should not be doing, and if you mess up, how you're feeling because you messed up, because you've got folks there who are ready to say, well, you've done wrong. And there's frustration. And then you realize that you're never going to be like the accepted. Did you understand what I'm saying? We lose sight of true spirituality. Maybe you're here and you've lost sight of true spirituality because your concept has been based on what church life was for you or your past experience or whatever you've been taught, not what it tells you in the Bible. We lose sight of true spirituality. One of the sure things, I'll be honest with you, to know that you've lost sight of true spirituality is how you're reacting to what I'm saying. How you're reacting to what I'm saying. What do you mean? Folks, you know, I've been here 15 years. I've seen people come in the door and leave. They come in the door and immediately they're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But then they'll say little quiet things to me like, don't you think we should dress a little bit better? Or what do you think about the music? And, And then you realize that they're getting hung up on, are you listening to me? Getting hung up on, the externals of what they think people should be like in church rather than getting hung up on Jesus and who he is. Do you understand what I'm saying? So we lose sight of true spirituality. Here's the other improper focus. Our actions and our thoughts towards others reveal the depths of our hearts. I can think through the years, you know, I've pastored two churches, I've been in many churches, and I can think through the years of people who presented themselves as being spiritual, who presented themselves as having it together on a spiritual level. They were like stalwarts as far as Christianity, but then you saw how they treated people. You saw how they answered people. You saw how they, well, I'll just be honest, some of them were just flat out mean. And and, and that, to be honest with you, is a contradiction in itself. Because our actions and our thoughts towards others reveal where we're really at. Here's what Jesus said in the Gospel of John. Jesus, John writes these words, By this shall they know that you are my disciples, by how snooty you are to one another. Is that what Jesus said? No. By this shall they know how you're my disciples, by your what? Love for one another. See, you can tell where people are at by how they treat other people. But see, this is the thing. It's about our love for each other. Our our focus, the focus is is on our actions and trying to be perfect in everything. And we have that concept. And to be honest with you folks, I'm I'm amazed at how many people I meet all the time. I call them the de-churched, who used to go to church at one time, who don't go anymore. And one of the biggest complaints they have about why they don't go to church anymore has to do with this point right here how somebody treated them, how somebody was towards them. You know what I'm talking about. 
See, here's what I want you to see. We're going to look at a passage today where Jesus has an interaction. He has a confrontation with some folks who think they've got it together. And he reveals their hearts. And the passage also reveals the heart of God. And from that, hopefully, we can understand, can I say it this way? The Jesus we never knew. The Jesus we never knew. You might be here and you say, well, I know Jesus, I understand Jesus. Really? You might be shocked to understand Jesus out of this passage. And hopefully it'll bring some freedom to all of you. Look with me. We're in chapter 12. We're going to look at verse 9 through verse 21. Now when he had departed from there, he went into their synagogue, and behold, there was a man who had a withered hand. They asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath, that they might accuse him? Then he said to them, What man is there among you who has one sheep, and if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not lay hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value then is man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and it was restored as whole as the other. Then the Pharisees went out and plotted against him, how they might destroy him. But when Jesus knew this, he withdrew from there, and a great multitude followed him, and he healed them all. Yet he warned them not to make him known, that it might be fulfilled by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved, in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will declare justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel or cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break. A smoking flax he will not quench till he sends out his justice to victory. And in his name, Gentiles will trust. Here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to see heartless ritual. We're going to see that here. Heartless ritual from this passage. We're going to see the assessment that Jesus gives concerning that. So I want you to think about heartless ritual. Think about where we're at. How's that apply to us? And then I want you to see what Jesus' assessment is. And then we're going to see the unexpected one. We're going to truly understand the Jesus we never knew. Hopefully you'll understand. Let's talk about heartless ritual. Here's the setting. Jesus has already had one confrontation with the Pharisees, with his disciples plucking grain. We've already looked at that earlier in chapter 12. After that incident, Jesus goes into a synagogue. That was his practice. He would go into a synagogue. He was a teacher and he would teach. In the synagogue is a guy with a withered hand. So let me just kind of explain to you, what does that mean, a withered hand? Well, it's a guy whose hand was atrophied, who basically the muscles were no longer what they should be. And they asked Jesus a question. Who's they? The Pharisees. Now, they're asking him a question not because they want an answer. They don't really want to know. They're not looking for enlightenment. They're not looking to learn anything. They're actually looking for an opportunity to accuse him. They're looking for an opportunity to bring blame against him, to to strike at his credibility. And what we see here is heartless ritual. What's going on here? Well, look at what I want you to see here. First of all, systems mean more than people. 
Systems mean more than people. And can I just kind of tell you, that's kind of where the church is at today, isn't it? The church in general. It's the organization. It's the institution. It's the way we do things. That means more than people. Because can I be honest with you? You may want to write this down. People are a mess. Write that down. People are a mess. Isn't that true? What do you mean by that? Here's what I mean by that. We're a mess because we do things wrong. We think wrong. We act wrong. We do wrong. We're not perfect. And sometimes the wrongs that we do are pretty big. And we regret them. And we're hurt. This guy had a withered hand. You could see that, right? But how many of you are withered in some part of your body and nobody sees it? We're a mess. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, here's the problem. The problem is with these guys who were Pharisees, just to be flat out honest with you, just so you know, they're not really interested in this guy with a withered hand because in their concept, he would be rejected because he has a withered hand. Perfect people, perfect church people, perfect religious people are not really interested in people. They're interested in the system and portraying the system and trying to live up to the system because the system is interested in the system. It's not interested in people. Do you understand what I'm saying? And the problem with heartless ritual, the problem with heartless Christianity, the problem with heartless church, we're more interested in appearance than we are in people who come. So stop for a moment. I want you to think with me for a moment. Think about somebody that you invited to church. Think about somebody that you maybe even invited to church recently because maybe you thought, hey, you know, I really want them to experience the same thing I'm experiencing when I come to church here. Think about when they tell you no. Why do they tell you no? What do they say to you? A lot of times they'll say to you, the place will cave in when I walk in there. You ever had somebody tell you that? I've had them tell me that. The roof will cave in because I was there. What's, what are they saying when they say that? And that's a funny thing. We laugh at them. Ha, ha, ha. That's not going to happen. Why do they say that? They're saying, I'm not acceptable there. That's what they're saying, isn't it? They're saying, I'm not acceptable there. Why are they saying that? Because we've gotten to the place in church where systems mean more than people. See, this is what's going on with Jesus here. They're coming in and they're like, is it okay to heal the guy on the Sabbath? What's going on there? Their system was their traditions and their oil rules. Here's what they were doing. Here's what they do. They felt that you could heal anybody the other six days of the week, but on the Sabbath, that's work. Healing is work, so we're not going to do that. Really? That's heartless. So the guy's got to wait one more day for Jesus to heal him? See, systems mean more than people. Here's the other thing I want you to see. They're looking for a problem to accuse. You ever felt like that? You ever felt like that where you meet someone and if you feel like they're just looking for something wrong that you're doing? But the problem is, is that a lot of times when people come to church, they won't come to church because they have in their mind what it is that's, what are the real Christians and spiritual people they have in their minds, and they're just looking for something that you have done wrong. Or they're looking for you to do the next wrong. Don't we feel that way sometimes? So, okay, let's stop for a moment. That's heartless ritual. How many of us want to be involved in that kind of stuff? Not any of us, do us. I mean, do you blame your friends who maybe have some kind of church background and that's been their experience and now they're hurt and they're not coming? Do you blame your friends? 
I don't. But here's the problem. The problem is, that's never what Jesus intended. That's never what he intended. That's not who Jesus is. That's not what the essence of Christianity is. In fact, we're going to notice now that Jesus makes an assessment of that heartless ritual. Look at what Jesus points out about the heartless ritual. I think it's very amazing. Look with me. Look at what he says, verse 11. What man is there among you who has one sheep, and if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not lay hold of it and lift it out? Or how much more value then is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Here's what I want you to see about Jesus' assessment of heartless ritual. We make personal allowances concerning the laws that we impose on others. We make personal allowances concerning the laws that we impose on others. Some of you are confused. What are you saying, George? Well, here's the thing. I say to you, you can't work on the Sabbath, Jesus is saying. You're saying, you can't work. I can't heal this person on the Sabbath. Jesus says, how many of you, because they're agrarian culture, so some of them would have sheep, if they had a sheep that fell into a deep pit, how many of them would not, on the Sabbath, go down, reach down, grab that sheep, and pull it out of the pit? Now, here's the thing. Doing that is considered work. It only makes sense that you would save your sheep because if you leave him in a pit, he might hurt himself and actually die, right? You don't want to wait a day. So Jesus says to them, look, you make allowances for yourself concerning the laws that you impose on other people. Isn't that why people call Christians hypocrites? Say one thing, do another. Isn't that true? That's heartless spirituality, isn't it? Sit there, judge somebody else for that, and then you turn around and you see them the next week, they're doing the same thing. Well, why are you doing that? You just told so-and-so he couldn't do it. Well, you don't understand. In this situation, they'll come up with a good excuse, right? What are they doing? They're making personal allowances concerning things that they impose on others. See, Jesus wasn't dumb. Jesus saw right through them. Saw right through them. We make personal allowances. And let's just stop for a moment. We all do it, right? We all do it. Here's the second thing. Our logic in making the allowances is hypocritical. Our logic, the things that we use to justify doing our own thing when we tell others to do that, it's hypocritical. Jesus is pointing out it's hypocritical. How much more value is a man than a sheep, Jesus is saying. Therefore, it's okay to do good on the Sabbath. Heartless ritual is hypocritical. Now, you could say, okay, George, we could just end right there. I've got enough there. All right, may we never be that way. Well, that's not where the passage stops. That's not where the passage stops, because where the passage stops is actually after a prophecy is shared concerning who Jesus really is. And so that's what we want to focus on the rest of our time here. We want to focus the rest of our time talking about who Jesus really is. And you might be surprised it's the Jesus you never knew. Because I'm going to be honest with you, because of heartless ritual, heartless religion, heartless church, heartless Christianity, you probably have a wrong concept about Jesus, and it's affecting your spiritual life. It's affecting how you think God sees you, how you think God is acting towards you. It's affecting you. 
whether you realize it or not. How do you know it's affecting you? When's the next last time you had a problem? What's the first thing? What must I have done wrong? What did I do wrong, God? Are you trying to get my attention? We immediately assume as soon as something goes wrong, we've done something wrong, right? That's not necessarily true. We need to see what it is that we need to see here about God. Let's look at this prophecy. I think we're going to see some amazing things here. Look with me. We'll start in verse 18. Behold my servant whom I've chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him and he will declare justice to the Gentiles. This is a prophecy from God the Father concerning Jesus. And he will not quarrel or cry out nor will anyone hear his voice in the street. So it's talking about his meekness here. He's meek. He's not the Jesus who's ready to stomp you, Jesus who's ready to discipline you, Jesus who's ready to punish you for whatever. Then I want you to notice, this verse 20 is an amazing verse. If you want to put a star by it, I'm going to explain it to you to help you to understand something. And hopefully you will understand the Jesus you never knew. Look with me. A bruised reed... He will not break. A smoking flax he will not quench till he sends forth justice to victory. Here's what I want you to see about the unexpected one. Jesus' actions towards the hurting are compassionate. This is what comes out of this text. God is well pleased in his son. He has anointed his son. He has put his spirit upon his son. And he has come to minister even to us, the Gentiles. Why the significance of the Gentiles in this passage? Well, to be honest with you, to a Jew, the Gentiles, which is you and I, were the rejected. See, he's compassionate to you because a lot of you feel rejected. I'll just be honest with you. When it comes to the concept of God and you have friends who feel this way, who feel rejected because all they see is what they've done wrong. And in their mind, they have this concept of what God accepts and it's what's been betrayed to them by heartless ritual that they can never match up to. They don't understand grace. They can't wrap their brain around it. That somehow God would still love them. They're the rejected. But he's compassionate towards you. What do you mean he's compassionate? I want you to look at something here. I I, kind of wrestled with this this week a little bit because it's like, okay, what's he saying here? A bruised reed he will not break. A smoking flax he will not quench. What's a bruised reed? Well, the reed that they're talking about is the plants in the riverside. You ever seen you ever seen the grass that grows out, especially the reeds that grow out in, in the water, and sometimes they're bruised because maybe some animal brushed up against them or a boat brushed up against them, and they're just kind of hanging there. It's saying that Jesus is so delicate with even a bruised reed, he doesn't break it. A smoking flax, what's that? That's, that? A flax is, let's say, a candle. Okay, we have a candle over here. Let's say we have a little bit of a flax. We have a little bit of the wick left. And, and it's not really on fire, but it's smoking. You guys ever seen the smoke coming out of a candle? It's kind of burning there, but it's not really smoking. It's saying that Jesus doesn't even, in his compassion, doesn't even snuff out the flax. All right, let me just stop for a moment. Who's the bruised reed? Who's the smoking flax? Anybody got a clue? You're right, Tom. It's us. It's the hurting. It's those who've been beaten up. It's those who feel rejected. It's those who have done wrong, and they know it. 
Did you understand what I'm saying? This is the compassion of God. Think for a minute. This is how Jesus is to you. This is how Jesus is to you. Even in the midst of what you're going through, and sometimes we're in the midst of it, right? You ever been through a period of time when you're in the midst of it? I mean, you're like so overwhelmed, and it just seems like nothing's going right. I just went through a period of that. I just went through a period of six, six months or more of that, wondering what's going on, and I was wrestling in my relationship with God. God, why are you doing this to me? Think, look, I just, something ain't wrong that George was thinking. Why are you doing this to me? He doesn't break the bruised reed. He doesn't snuff out the smoking flies. That's how Jesus is to us. Isn't that awesome? Maybe you've never thought of that before. Why would I think that God was doing it? Because, look, folks, I'm a Christian for 30 years. The heartless ritual rubs off. And we can embrace wrong thinking and not realize that Jesus, we never knew. Do you understand what I'm saying? He loves you. He loves you. He cares for you. And even when you're in the midst of it, he's lovingly caring for you and he's not snuffing you out or breaking you. Do you understand? That's the Jesus you never... His actions towards the hurting are compassionate. That's the message we need to be sharing, folks, in a world that's turning on itself, that has no hope. Yes, let's just stop for a moment. It's okay if they reject church because they see it as heartless ritual, okay? Okay? Don't be offended by that. But maybe you need to share with them what true church is. It's following Jesus who what? Doesn't break the bruised reed. Doesn't snuff out the smoking flags. He's compassionate to the hurting. Are folks hurting today? What planet are you living on if you don't think so? Do you understand? First thing, Jesus' actions towards the hurting are compassionate. Here's what I want you to see. Jesus came to heal the hurting, not destroy them. Here's what I want you to write down. Jesus knows you're human. Jesus knows you're human. You need to grasp that. You make mistakes. You sin. You do wrong. He knows that. But he didn't come to destroy you. He came to heal you. I think the greatest example of that, if you want, I would encourage you to read 1 and 2 Samuel in the Old Testament. They're two history books. One, the 1 Samuel focuses on the king. You hear about David as well. But King Saul, the second one, second book, Samuel, you'll see a lot about David in the second one, not Saul, because Saul by that point is dead. One is accepted by God, the other is rejected. Here's the major difference between the two. The one who was accepted by God had adult, committed adultery with a woman and had her husband killed. God still loved him. That's grace, isn't it? That's grace. See, that's the Jesus we never knew. In fact, that's the Jesus we don't talk about, is it? What do we talk about, George? Heartless ritual. Waiting to point our fingers at somebody when we ourselves are doing the very same things. My prayer is that we never 
are that way as a church again. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.